All right, everyone, welcome to Sky High Sports and Entertainment. We have a very special guest here today, Lachelle Smith. Lachelle has worked at ESPN before and is now the editor of the Players' Tribune, covering some amazing events, Wemby Press Conference, All-Star Games, WNBA Draft, everything cool you could imagine, and the Uninterrupted Film Festival we're going to get into. Lachelle, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. So happy that you were able to have me on here. We were able to get this going this time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We had some complications, but we made it work and uh, very happy to have you on. You've had an amazing career so far. I'm happy to have known you in school as well. I will preface that. Uh, we were classmates. And so, yeah, Lachelle, your career journey, watching it has been amazing. And I'm really excited to uh, to talk about it today. So let's get right into it. First of all, with the Players' Tribune, somewhere that so many people read that's such an integral part of sports and athletes sharing their stories in these deeply personal ways that can really affect people. So I was curious about what is your favorite piece or favorite thing even that you've gotten to do with the Players' Tribune so far? I think like favorite piece so far that I've really been able to have my hands on was the Benedict Matherin piece, like right after he got drafted with the Pacers and everything and getting to talk with him. Um, I think just because of his story, like really just an interesting story of who he is and his confidence. And, you know, I think people wanted to know more about him after the whole viral clip of him saying like, you know, LeBron's gonna have to show me like how y'all yeah. say he is. And, you know, me and him talking about that. And he was like, people took that as though I was like trying to be rude, but he was like, I've never played against him. So I just can't take your word for it. Like, he got to see me too. Like, and I, you know, I like that type of confidence. Cause like he said, he's like, it's nothing to him. Like I know who LeBron James is. I know he's amazing, but he was like, I'm not going to come into the league and just be scared. He was like, that makes no sense. And like hearing him talk about it, I was like, now that you've explained it, I, I agree with you. Like you can't yeah. just come in there already scared. So I think that was really special. And then I think now all of the things that we're being able to do, kind of being at more events and getting to cover more things and kind of try to build some more things inside of the TPT, just bubble and circle, I think is really special. So it's been good so far. That's awesome. No, that sounds... Uh... That sounds really, really cool for sure. Was there anything? Yeah, I really like Benedict Matherin. He's Canadian, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like me. Yeah. So no, I've, uh, I've I've had fun following him. Was there anything specifically from his journey that, that really stuck out to you? I think what was really interesting is, you know, where he's from, the neighborhood he grew up in, obviously had a lot of things to it. But I found interesting is his story of how he ended up getting into like the NBA um they had like the academy he was one of the first in like the Canadian academy where yeah. they leave like kind of in high school and like get an education there and do everything and him explaining the story of like how he didn't want to go and that like I think an uncle called and was like hey I got a text that you are one of the people they want at the academy like you know if the train comes like you better get to moving and he was like, that was just a big deal because he was like, you know, I'm a kid. He had just, you know, lost his brother and things. It was his mom and his sister. And he was like, you know, I didn't want to leave. He was like, I literally was a kid. And he was like, I hated it at first. He was like, it was horrible. But then he was like, now I look back on it. And he was like, it's the best thing that could have happened to me. Like I was getting a great education. I was in a safe place. I was playing basketball every day. I think he knows like three or four languages. Like wow. he's very multifaceted. So like 
hearing him say that he had to make that decision at such a young age to be like, I want to leave. And, you know, even if I don't understand it now, I at least want to try it. And then to see, you know, who he is now, it obviously paid off. So I think it was interesting to hear his perspective of like, no, I didn't want to go. He was like, people love to make it seem like they just be so eager. He's like, no, I was not trying to leave. And I think I appreciated his honesty in that because that's such a big deal to do at that age. So that part of his story and obviously just the passing of his brother, which was really unfortunate, mm -hmm. how it, you know, it really stuck with him. But, you know, just how he's been able to kind of take it all and do something with it at such a young age is really special to see. Absolutely. And something and i don't know how much of the sausage making process you you can or would like to reveal but i've always thought just the players tribune articles are so cool how obviously you know it's the athlete's signature but there's the whole ghost writing and interview element involved um is there anything of that 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 you're able to share or that just how those players tribune articles kind of come together from interviews from the help with the athletes writing them um because obviously you know with benedict mather and so i love how multifaceted he is and athletes who have stories like that where they're so multi-talented but uh in this case you know i've known you for a while you're a pretty good writer so i think it's good you're doing the writing of some of these stories yeah, I mean, to me, the sausage making process is really collaborative. Like it's incredibly like collaborative, actually, because they have say so at the end of the day. So you could write something as many times as you want. But if they're like, nah, like that don't even sound like me, like they have full reign. And the whole job is to make sure that it's a piece that they feel proud about and they feel as though like because they are writing it too, in a sense, maybe not the physical of it all, but the story is theirs, you know, and it's, it's for them to dictate how they want their narrative to be. And our job is to make sure that we're on the right side of it. You know, so much in the media is like, you could take a quote and I don't really have to talk to you about it. I could put that out as it is, you know, with us, it's a little different, you know, it, it causes it, its own ecosystem of issues, of course, but the pros of it all outweigh all of it. Cause you're able to have this, connection with them where they feel like oh I could trust you guys like you know you're not just trying to take something I said and turn it like you want me to be a part of the process you want it to be collaborative you want to hear my perspective on maybe how I don't think that sentence is exactly how I said it like so I think in it's all like everyone kind of understands the caveat of it all but then you do have some that like they're writing the whole thing and they're like don't touch it like wow. I think before I got there they did the J. Cole piece and yeah. I think I think he wrote that entire thing. I think yeah. he, he, his number one thing was like, do not touch it. Like Master of the pen. Yeah. So, you know, like you have certain things like that where they're like, no, like I am proud of how I wrote this. I don't even need you to do a soft edit, nothing. Take it out as is. And I think that was the case with him. And then it did amazing. That's that's so, so cool um, to hear you say that and hear how it comes together. And I think that. Like, it was funny, like when we were in journalism school, obviously we had like some older teachers sometimes and some of the stuff they're saying about like, no, you never let them have any say it. You take the quote. And I'm like, what about just like being a decent human being and like actually like having them be somewhat happy? Well, obviously not ever um, compromising the integrity of the piece. And I think that's something I personally have always loved about. Uh, the Players' Tribune is that it does feel like it's coming from the athletes. It's just, I think so, some of them, maybe I've heard them talk and I'm like, I don't know if they would be able to like necessarily pull out a piece like that, but lots of them, it's absolutely brilliant and you can kind of see where it comes from. And I think that's great too, that you really give 
uh, them a voice as well and help fine tune that because some of them as well are a lot of them actually, especially in the NBA are so intelligent when they're speaking and then to see that sometimes you never know how that translates to words. So to have someone really help them get that out on paper, uh, it's just an incredible and unique form of journalism and a really brilliant concept with the Players Tribune. And also now they're coming up in the world exactly of covering everything too, outside of just those incredible articles that have made waves for so long that have been such wonderful pieces uh, from the athletes. And you were recently at the Uninterrupted Film Festival, which is again, this whole other uh, way. LeBron's obviously been a leader in athletes getting their voice out and him having the first ever athlete film festival, which comes after, you know, Kobe Bryant winning an Oscar at one point. Uh, here we are. So how was covering the uninterrupted film festival with athletes covering, uh, premiering their own films? You know, it was really cool. I had never been to a film festival before. So oh, wow. I like, Lots of movies. was like, yeah, so I'm like on Google trying to see like what, you know, how do you act, what do you do? And obviously it was their first one, but you could really see how like it's going to be many of those. Like they are on the right track of it all. Like, you know, I think everyone's still trying to figure it out too because we haven't had that in sports, like a real sports film festival. You know, they debuted like two films, Black Ice, which is about, you know, black hockey players and everything in the history of that. And then they had Goliath, which was about, you know, Will Chamberlain and everything yes. with that. And then they had a lot of panels. They had Joel Embiid there speaking to Maverick Carter um, because he's starting to get in production. And I think he has his own studios, too. And he wants to tell a lot more stories about where he's from. So, you know, that was interesting to see because it is special how sports films are made. And I think now they're being made so beautifully. I tell people this all the time. My favorite film to ever watch in sports is Kobe Bryant's Muse. I think it is one of the most- Couldn't agree more. Oh my God. It, it is one of the most beautifully shot, directed- Yeah. Gotham Chopra. Unbelievable. Oh, just amazing. And yeah. it's funny because most people don't even know about it. And it's, it's like- crazy how good it is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's so good. Like, I had it recorded on my TV. It's still yeah. on there. But because I don't have, like, Showtime, it won't let me play it. I'm like, I need to hurry up and buy Showtime again. Because that, to me, like, that's the essence of sports film. And yeah. it's funny because you thought Chopra, he was there showing the G League one, Odyssey, oh, that wow. he's going to have out on Amazon Prime. And even the clip that he showed, I was like, this is really good. Like, they had many little um, sessions where they had panels, but they also show like one or five minute clips of something that was coming out. And he was showing that clip that's going to be on Amazon Prime, I think like first week of August. And that was really good, understanding the depths of the G League and how yeah. important it is. And he had Scoot Henderson on there and stuff and wow. had appearances from like Spencer Dinwiddie and like Seth Curry wow. and them talking about like, the G League is a grind, like it's just so hard. And I think it's special because we should have more of that. There are so many beautifully shot sports films that go into the depths of stories that you need that. And then for them to be partnering with the Tribeca Film Festival, they're doing it the right way. You know, like they're not just willy nilly doing it, like they're doing it as a film festival should be. And, you know, I think Good, as they yeah. keep doing it, it's gonna get bigger, it's gonna get even better. People are going to know more about it. Like the tickets were super affordable. Like you could walk in and out of films, go to panels, you know, like 
very, it was really a great experience. So I'm hoping next year more people are in tune to it and want to go see it. Absolutely. You know, and thank you for bringing all that up, you know, with this being a sports and entertainment podcast, that's a perfect uh, intercept. And especially Kobe Bryant's muse, I guess like I was, I followed the whole creation of it. And then it came out and it was such a big thing in my life that I didn't even think about how so many people haven't seen that. I think that's premier sports filmmaking because it's, it's, let's say you didn't even like sports. It's watching someone who excelled at their job, break down their career and the moments and the humanity and how they're able to be good at what, and, and Kobe was always a guy who said, you know, sports is so, so integral to life and so relatable to life that it's everything he says can be applied and everything, but just someone breaking down their moments like that. It's crazy. I think that could be uh, something that really is looked back on as a landmark film. And just overall, I mean, it's, it's incredible um with that being said actually i guess we'll segue into this kobe was he was one of the original founders of the players tribune he wrote dear basketball for the players tribune um it ended up winning an oscar that's crazy but what is does he first of all talk a little bit about dear basketball and then if his influence is sort of still felt there today I absolutely think it's still felt there. You know, when they first founded in the inception of TPT and like, you know, Derek Jeter and getting pivotal people in sports to want to co-sign and be a part of it. I think, you know, I wasn't there for it, but the stories that I hear are very clear when it comes to Kobe, that he was always a supporter of the Players' Tribune. He loved that it was about the athlete being able to dictate what they want to be said and actually putting their heart into what it is that they're saying. And obviously because he was so multifaceted as well, you know, he, he loved writing, he loved creating, you know, he made children's books and things like that. So for him, it was right up his alley. And then, you know, even before I got there, I remember reading Dear Basketball and I remember being in college, like, wow, like this, Ode to basketball is something I had never seen before mm-hmm. in a way that he said it and described it. And so it was poetic. so beautiful. Right. And like to this day, like we always talk about it because it's it's like what could compare to it? You know, like wow. what could really compare to one Oscar? It's insane. Like literally, you know, to take that. And, and that's what I think is one thing I've learned at the Players' Tribune, which is really special, is a lot of times when we're doing these pieces with people, we do want it to help carry you to do something else. Like that's always the goal. Like we don't want it to stop at the piece. It's like, if this piece catapults you to doing something else with it, perfect. And the fact that it catapulted him to end up doing like the audio and you know, the animated version of it all. Collaborating with Disney animators and John Williams who made the Harry Potter theme song, Star Wars theme song, greatest composer in film history. Literally. And then look at what he wins, right? Like it's like, that all started from us coming to you and saying, do you want to write this? And you're like, absolutely. And then it just did all the other things that he wanted to do with it, which is a beautiful thing. And I think if anyone just loves reading, period, because I always say writing is very difficult to do. Everyone cannot do it. It's just so tedious. It's a lot of like vulnerability. And when you read Dear Basketball, he is very vulnerable. Like that's why I think I love Muse so much because he's vulnerable he's talking about 
his Achilles. He's talking about things that happened in his marriage. He's talking about yeah, how Black crazy. Mamba even came about, which was mm -hmm. to escape everything that was really going on. Yeah. And I think you read Dear Basketball and you understand how much he loved the game, how much yeah. he cherished it. He saw it as an art. He saw it as a craft. You know, he didn't just see it as a game, just simplistically. He saw it as like, this is a beautiful thing that we do, the art of it, the poetry of it. And for him to write it and put it into words, you know, it, it's crazy. Because again, we still talk about it all the time. It's always one of those pieces for us that everyone loves because how can you not love it? Like, it's just so beautifully written. And he was very much hands-on from the things that I was told about it, you know, because again, he can write himself. He's a writer too. Yeah. So, oh, 100%. You know, being able to have that and to have Dear Basketball as a memory as well of him, I think it's so beautiful um, that that was able to happen, you know, while he was living and while 100%. he was figuring out more of what he wanted to do, you know, past his career and everything. So it's it's just a staple. I think it's always a standard that we look at when we look at Dear Basketball. Wow, that's that's so cool to hear it. And and I remember like literally the, November 29, 2015. Like I still remember the day it came out because I was following his whole last season. That was my favorite player uh, growing up. And I couldn't agree with with really everything you said um, about him and about that. And it's crazy, too, because I just went back and watched the ESPYs and had major 2016 nostalgia seeing Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James and Chris Paul up on the stage again. So I watched their speech there, which got me back into that was the year Kobe retired. And literally, he's up on stage and he goes, thank you for honoring me for my career. I hope to also be honored one day for giving athletes a voice and inspiring the next generation of athletes by creating content. Two years, like it's, it's, I get chills saying that, like he literally won an Oscar two years later. People thought he was nuts when he said that. It's like, oh yeah, okay, Kobe, you're gonna, it's like- <laughs> It's so cool. And it's really cool how he has that imprint. And I'm a, I'm a segue here because um, something else Kobe did that was cool was that he wrote a book, children's books, as you were saying, but also a whole Harry Potter type magic basketball universe yeah. with yeah. kids. It's crazy. And if I'm not mistaken, it's all centralized over a girl, a little girl, because he said he wanted to have books that his girls could read and see that, themselves. Yeah. And he was like, they're athletes and they have magic. And yeah. he's like, I wanted them to, and I think that's beautiful too, because especially just being a little girl and being a little black girl at that, you yeah. know, I remember growing up and just loving sports all the time. Always wanted to hang with my brother, always played football, always played basketball with the boys. And like, there were never books like that for me to read as a kid. There was nothing that I could look at like that. So the fact that he felt inspired to do that, especially while he was living and to really start that process that now everyone wants to be a girl dad, everyone wants to, yeah. you know, in the space, give quality content to others. I think it's a beautiful thing. No, it's incredible. He was, he was a real champion of, uh, of women's sports for sure. And actually speaking, speaking of that, um, we obviously are going to talk a little bit of sports on here today as well. Um, the dub is absolutely going off right now with the Liberty, with Sabrina Ionescu getting the all-time three-point record. The Aces are killing it right now. You saw even at the ESPYs, the coverage of women's sports. Uh, it's up massively in viewership. I'm just curious, you know, what your thoughts are right now overall on the trajectory and future of the dub, both in scope and in this season, who you think will win the chip? Season? 
It's between the Aces and the Liberty to me. Yeah. What I've seen from both, obviously, because the Aces just have so much like firepower. Like yeah, I don't think they could have four first team all WNBA players. It's crazy. Fact, like I don't think we've seen that in a while. The no. Liberty, I think, have so, they're figuring it out. Like mm-hmm. once they really figure all the pieces out, it's going to be fine. But I think they're on the right trajectory as well. So those are my two for one of them should win. That's what I think. I could be wrong, but I think one of those two. The trajectory of the WNBA, I lean more on what Kelsey Plum said during All-Star Week, which is she doesn't understand how they could even be talking about expansion when they all still have to get, you know, commercial flights. And I think people really disregarded what she was really saying because, you know, I've had conversations and everyone's like, well, if you expand, you get more money. But I'm like, yeah, but that's like if you already have five kids and you're struggling to pay for five kids and you're like, let me get a six so I can get more money. That makes zero sense. Like, let me handle what I have now, which I think is what she's saying. Like, we need to get everything in order with the teams we do have now, which is a lot of teams, way more than we've had. And it's like, let's get that money right for all of us. Let's figure that out and then let's expand. That's how I feel. I do think expansion is in the future of the WNBA. I think, you know, there should be a Canadian WNBA team. That's how I feel. I think yeah. the best spot if they were to expand. Like that's the next, they shouldn't even be thinking about nowhere else but Canada. Like yeah. the fans, and obviously you know to it. Obviously, well, women's like, sports are huge here, especially exactly. overall right now. The multicultural soccer is ridiculously exactly. big. Uh, the they WNBA had an event here; it went amazingly in Toronto. Yeah, I. So, I so they need that. So if they were to expand, that's where they should go. But I'm on the side of what she's saying. You know, like until you can figure out everything that's going on now, I, I don't even think we should talk about expansion until yeah. the money order. For this, I had a friend who was in the airport in Chicago, and she literally was in the same airport as the Atlanta Dream. Like it happened know? to me with the Sparks and Liz Cambage, and I was just like, "What is going on right now?" And she had the glasses on, people talking to her. I was just like, "This is like this." I didn't even. I think I gave a quick shout out, but I didn't like go out. I was like, you know, they sh- they shouldn't even be in this position right now. At like all. I'm not gonna go try to have a conversation with any of them. And it's and it's not fair because they're professionals. Like exactly. Like they're not children. They're not in college. Like, like it was just weird seeing the NECA. Like, like it was crazy. Like She's in they are, space fam too. They are actually professionals. So it's they're like superstars. Literally. So it's like I think I agree more with what she's saying, which yeah. I think the trajectory is get trying your ducks to get in order there. first. Yeah, like, I think the trajectory is there. I think it is hard because when you look at the landscape of women's college basketball and then you look at the WNBA, the dollars are very different, right? It's it's different, especially because with colleges, there's so much money funneled into colleges. And stuff, yeah. You know, they're not flying commercial. UConn's not flying commercial. Like, LSU's not flying commercial. They're chartered flights. Yeah. You know, like... But again, the system of the money is so different, right? You know, these colleges have so much money from other programs and other things, and you're able to allocate. And I guess I wonder, is the trajectory going where there's more investors? I know a lot of people feel like more men should invest and, you know, more NBA players should invest. And and I'm like, you know, it's only so much anyone could ever do. All of this really is still in the hands of the commissioner, of the WNBA, yeah, the other leading partners of the WNBA. I think Magic Johnson invested, I think, in the Sparks, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. 
You know, like Dwayne Wade has now has invested in the Chicago sky. Like yeah. everyone's trying, but at some point the league itself may have to figure out different routes to get these women more eyes and more publicity and more marketing. Marketing is the key to everything. So yeah. they, I think now you got to figure out different ways to mix this thing up to make them such a staple where you do want to watch them. And I think we're seeing it now. Like you see like Sabrina Inescu, like she's popular. Everyone loves her game yeah. and loves what she brings. But then like, if you compare her to the hype of Caitlin Clark, it's like, wait a minute, one's in college and one is literally a WBA all-star and it's like a whole different talk. Right. So yeah, I, don't know. I think the trajectory is going slowly up, but I, I hope that it's going in the right direction. I love that. I think that's a really, really good take on it, especially the eyes. I think, I think really covering it and just giving it more promotion and publicity uh, is the best option because it's such a high level of talent. You're going to see so many people there and uh and definitely you know i think i think the nba also has been really really good about supporting the wnba um and that's a trajectory i'd like to see as well like i remember all the orange hoodies in the bubble i think that should be something that keeps up where nba players pros themselves wearing that orange hoodie um speed and definitely no that that's a great take and i think exactly it's the marketing it's the eyes Speaking of the NBA, of course, we have to talk a little bit about NBA today. Um, before we get into, I guess, predictions, I want to ask just overall what your thoughts on, I'm, I'm assuming Damian Lillard will end up on the Heat, so you can let me know if you think that will happen. And then if he does, what you think that will lead to? You know How far they could go. I am pro get Dame to the Heat. I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense offensively because I think the Miami Heat struggled with consistent scoring. I think he literally solves that problem for you very quickly where you're able to have literally like just the average the highest of his career. Like he's going to give you consistent scoring. And I think that's what they've struggled with as much as I love Jimmy. Jimmy has his scoring bouts where it's high and it's low. Playoffs is different. He's locked in. But even in the playoffs, we saw a little bit of a slump here and there where others had to carry the team. I think if you have Dame, it kind of plugs that hole in the ship immediately where it's like, I know he's going to go out and give 30 or 40 if he needs to or more. So I think after seeing the reports of like the front office saying like they're willing to take their time, I I, I don't even think that's necessary. And I get it. You want to get a return for losing your superstar. But I think Miami is going to give them the best package, which is you would get a Tyler Hero. Like, you would get a Tyler Hero, and you got the third pick in the draft. Like, and you're keeping Jeremy Grant. You're keeping, you know, Anthony Simons. Like, you're keeping core pieces. And, like, the rookies that they did get are pretty good from what I saw in Summer League. So, like, I don't know what the front office is thinking they're going to get back for Dame. I mean, the truth is he is older. I mean, he is a superstar. He's an all-star. We love Dame. Top 75. Yeah, like you're not going to get a lot like they think. And, I mean, it would be dumb for Miami to be like, oh, we're going to give you Jimmy. Who's going to do that? Like, you know, like I'm not going to give you Jimmy. Like Tyler Hero to me is the best thing. Like that's, to me, the best thing they're going to get from any other team. Yeah, I agree. Because I don't know what they're expecting. I think I don't agree with them waiting, but I do get it's a business like – you know, they went from we want to get him to where he wants to go to now we're prepared to take our time. It's like, 
all right, you got to pick which one you want to be, right? So I'm all for him going there. I do think it, it's going to have to happen eventually. I just, I don't think they're in a position to wait that long either. I think Dame doesn't want to be put in a position where he may not be at a training camp. I don't think he wants to be at that point in his career because that's never been his thing. Like, yeah. he he's a professional. He wants, like, the man stayed he's a competitor. in Portland. He's such a competitor. Literally, like, he stayed in Portland all these years after even having problems with his contract and stuff. Like, he has done his best of what you can give someone. So I don't really understand Portland's, like, I guess, mindset in the whole like let's make this difficult now because I don't think he's made it difficult if you ask me I don't even think he wanted to leave like I I truly think he wanted to stay there and I think he wanted to be loyal to what they built and try to get there I truly do not think it was in his heart to want to trade but it's probably obvious when he sat down with them and realized like you're not going to bring pieces that we need I do got to leave like I do have to go somewhere and compete. So, I mean, I do think it will happen. I think it's just the right thing in general. But hopefully, hopefully that front office isn't going to make this a long thing because I don't want to see where we have a frustrated Dame. I don't even no, think that's fair. No, he doesn't. Does you know, he did like, too much. Yeah, like I don't think he deserves to be frustrated in this. He's giving you all he's got. Literally, like the man yeah. was playing with a torn abdomen for like a whole season. Like. Yeah. And didn't get it fixed till after. Like, you know, I don't think you could ask for any anything more of a superstar who truly did not want to leave. So I think it will happen. I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later because I just don't think it's fair. But I think it should. It should Definitely. go to Miami, hopefully. I, I think he will end up there. I think just in this situation, there's too much leverage. All the other teams know. And, and to your point about, like, what happened, I think that – the day things changed was the day that there were about 10 games left in the season and Portland was probably five games out. And of course the competitor in Dame, and I understand that, you know, I remember up growing up as a fan, as a little kid, super optimistic, even when it was impossible odds, they can do it. The competitor in him, it's, it's literally like caging a dog when they shut him down while they still had a probability like chance, like they were not at 0% of making the playoffs. I think they really turned off the competitor of him. He felt restricted. And then there was the number three pick and they drafted Scoot and they weren't looking to trade it. So it's like, well, okay, so you guys like Dame, but you're also sort of saying, hmm, he's older. And I think there was an element, an element of disrespect. And I know they gave him a big contract, but there was an element of disrespect in that. And I think it was the most fan amicable trade request ever. It was the first time where all the fans and media were like, okay, you know, like James Harden does it. Kyrie is like, everyone's kind of like, oh my God, you're doing it again. This was like, yes, Dame, get the heck out of Portland. Yeah, They traded CJ. Jeremy Grant is not CJ in terms of getting you to back to the conference finals. And uh, they really did all, he really did all he could. I think it was the most amicable. And I think Portland is being a little weird and salty. Like with Dwayne, it's not the same as Dwayne Wade, Wade and Wade won chips, of course. But in terms of relative to the franchise, like Miami became, like the fact that Portland's never, he's the best player in Portland history. And so this should be given him. That being said, 
I think that he will end up in Miami. I think if he yeah. does go to Miami, Stephen A made a crazy take that I, I don't get upset at sports takes anymore, but he said that Jimmy Butler can't be the best player on a championship team. And I was really upset when I heard that. And then I thought more about what happened in the finals. And then I thought about Dame going there and having Jimmy as your second best player. I think they win the chip if he goes there. And I'm curious if you think they can do it. You know, it's not a crazy, crazy take if you start like looking at it. I know, it. Like, I know. With clear eyes, like you start- In the moment, like, I was upset. Right, like if I always say, if you take like the moment and the emotion out of it when the finals are going on, like if you say this during the finals, like no, like how how dare you say Jimmy can't do it? Like Which it was during, exactly. Right, like, like how dare you? But then you like go about a week or two and you start watching stuff back and you're like, you might be on to something. Like, you know, I think Jimmy is amazing. Like, Incredible. I heart, heart of a champion. Like, literally. And But I do think there are limits to it. And that is fine. Everyone should know their limits. I do think if you put Dame there, which I think is the biggest push to it all, which is like, if you get Dame there, it literally solves the issue Everything. that you had. Yeah. Like, in you do become a team that could get back there. Like, I think people have to look at the Miami Heat finals twice now. You look at this year that they just had, but you also look back in the bubble when they had to go against the Lakers. And everyone loves the clip of Jimmy slumped over, tired, but that's literally been the problem. Like, that's not that he's tired, but the fact that he really is trying to be the number one guy out there if Bam is not showing up. And it that is a lot to do. It is sometimes beyond capabilities at times. So I think, especially when you're having to do that every night, like that's very hard to do in a finals. It's yeah. not too many who could do it. And if you can, most of them are like LeBron James, Steph yeah, Curry, exactly. like Giannis. Like, and even that, it's like there's asterisks to some of those two where it's like somebody was there to help you too, right? So I think that's what people have to realize to win championships it does take a two-man game sometimes. Three yeah. if you're lucky. But if you can have two consistent people, and if they get Dame, that is your second consistent person who could be your number one person, which yeah. I think frees up Jimmy to really thrive even more. Because then you have to play Dame a whole different way than when you play Jimmy. You have to pick Dame up the minute he gets the ball. <laughs> So, like, you got to go the length of the floor with him. With Jimmy, you don't really got to go the length of the no. floor with him. So, it, it changes the whole dynamic of how people would even defend them. Like, it, and I think that's what people have to realize. You put Dame there. If they're able to get to the finals without Dame, I think they win a finals with Dame. Like, that's yeah. the missing piece. They're missing one piece. And I don't think Tyler Hero would have won it for him either. Like, that's no offense to Tyler Hero, but – Dame is different. And like he said, he, yeah, feels he, can't compare. he feels better. You know, he got the abdomen fixed. So he's he's feeling like I'm ready to go. I'm ready to compete. I think it's the perfect culture fit. I think when they talk about, you know, the Miami test and, you know, how they all have to pass a test in physicality. I think this is exactly what he wants, which is the grind. They have a culture there. Everyone there says it's different. So I think. You add him to it. There's no way they can't get back to a finals and possibly win one. That's how I feel. I, I feel the same way. If I had to predict right now, I would predict Dame will end up on the heat. And assuming that happens, 
That is who I predict to win the finals next year is the Miami. I can Heat. see it. I'm here with you. Is that who you'd pick or what would be your championship pick if you had to do it right now? You know what? If I had to pick championship, ooh. And that includes probability. So you can you can assume Dame will end up in the Heat. You can assume James Harden will end up at the Clippers. Whatever you think is going to happen if you had to pick. I ain't going to lie. I have a weird, weird, really weird feeling that the Warriors may end up going back to the finals. Ooh, with Chris Paul. I- I don't know why. I don't know why. But the I, I wasn't a fan of him going there from a standpoint of a team. Like, I think that that makes them older. But then I started thinking, I'm like, mm, one of the best point guards with two of the best shooters, there's no way that doesn't work. Like, it has to work. Like, so I don't know. I, I like Denver. I didn't like that Bruce Brown is gone. I think they lost That's a really good. important part yeah. of that championship core. Um, I do think Miami has great probability of going back and possibly winning if they get Dame. I can see that. Phoenix is nowhere in my mind. I don't know why it's not. I wish it was because I like Katie and Book. Yeah. And, yeah. The but whole I, I just got to see. Yeah, I just got to see how that works. And then I think they Too said- Too many of the Vogel. same player in a certain Yeah, respect. like, yeah. you know, and, and I got to see. I know Frank Vogel, I think, came out and said that he's not a fan of making Bill be, like, point guard one. And I, I agree with him. I don't think Bradley Bill should be PG one. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, do you put book and pass? And he, and to me, I he's think a he'd be a better PG one. Like, he's he's way better. But, like- even that the Still, Lakers, he, they're all too bad. If AD's healthy for the Lakers, you know, mm-hmm. so I guess if I had to think of, I would say like Warriors, Miami's up there, Dame's there. And I guess out of respect for like Jokic, and I just love him and Jamal Murray, I'd say Denver. Like yeah, those are my three that like one of them should win it. Um, if like if we had to start the season right now and like all the probabilities are there, I'd probably pick one of those three. I love it. I, I think. You couldn't really go with a better three. Um, yeah, I think it's very interesting with the Warriors in particular because I think what's interesting with Chris Paul too is that he can kind of like help them age. Like yeah. we're talking about the pace and thinking, oh, he doesn't fit. And it's like, what if he's actually what they need as a game? Yeah. So that, yeah. that could be very, very interesting um, for sure. And so we're going to start to wrap things up here, but uh, we're going to go a little bit back in the entertainment direction because I saw the director of Swagger uh, acknowledge your TikTok sort of review of the show, which is amazing because, man, Swagger and just what you said, because, yeah, I watched season one. I was blown away. I thought the writing, the directing, the tension, um, the things you can honestly learn about yourself, about society from watching the show was just mind blowing. It was produced by Kevin Durant, for those who don't know very loosely based on his life actually uh, as well with Jace Carson representing Kevin Durant, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube's son, awesome acting, but the writing and directing is next, next level uh, in that show. And I'm just curious about your thoughts on the show and why people should watch it. And uh, yeah, what it was like to hear from the director. My thoughts on it is that everyone should watch it. Like it's, it's so good. It's so, so good. And I'm upset that I'm just now finding out about it. And it's been out since like 2021. Yeah, Like that was something that like angered me. I was like, wait a minute. Like I love just good television period. So I'm like, how have I never seen this? And TikTok is where I started seeing the edits. Cause I guess like my for you page is all sports and stuff. So they were like sports show. And I was like, what is this? And I had seen it a few times, 
where I was like, let me go watch it. And literally after, like, I think that second episode, I was like, wait, this is like really special. Like they're yeah. touching so many things other than just basketball. I mean, I love that it's actual basketball players playing in it and like yeah. you're physically seeing them play and do everything, the dunking, the dribbling, the shooting. I appreciate that. But just the stories that they're telling, like, you know, they're talking about abandonment. They're talking about racism. They're talking about abuse mentally and physically oh you know God, like yeah. you're it's touching on so many things and you know they're also talking about the pressures that people have especially kids to succeed in whatever alley that it is but in this case you know the lens of sports like that's a lot that's a lot to do so I love watching it it got me after that I was like I'm hooked I don't want to do nothing else but watch this like right now season two is going on I'm ready for 9 p.m to hit so I can go watch it like yeah. I need episode five I need to see what's going on so I think it was cool to have like the director and a lot of the cast, like, you know, shout out the TikTok and stuff. Cause genuinely it was because like, I was like, I just stumbled across this. So I want everybody else to watch it. Cause I want to talk about it with people. So I think it's always a blessing when you could just like authentically, like put something out there because you're genuinely in love with what they're doing and the writing and everything that they're having on the show. And then like for it to be perceived in the correct way, which is like, oh, this is someone who just really loves the show. So then like to have the director and then, like I said, the cast, like, wow. you know, shout it out and comment and be like, thank you. It's like, you know, that's always amazing. Cause like I said, I'm a fan of it and I'm mad that I'm just now seeing it and it's been out. So I think too, it's like for them, they're like, I appreciate you helping us in this. Cause they know probably a lot of people haven't seen it and they should because it's so good. So I'm a big fan of swagger. I wish I had like swagger DMV gear like right now. I know what you mean. That's awesome. Yeah. When I watched season one and how they dealt with, uh, with COVID and Black Lives Matter and the protests and I can't breathe. It was just so powerful and so real. And the way they dealt with those issues, also the directing of the basketball scenes is some of the best basketball I've seen on film uh, personally, but the way that they then relate that into the personal issues as well and the societal issues that they deal with and confront at such a young age uh, is next level. And that's super cool. You got the shout outs. Yeah, you built an amazing following on TikTok to the point where I have seen some of your TikToks featured on the NBA Today Show. So I would love to ask you a little bit about how you did that and what your advice for others is who want to do that. Yeah, so it all came about because like I was on TikTok and a cousin of mine like sent me like the, it was the TikTok of Richard Jefferson when he first was like, you know, we're going to start a segment and we want you to like submit videos and all of that. And the first time they did it, I didn't submit one. I think I just wanted to see what the format looked like. I was like, let me just see what the format looks like. So I seen it and I was like, okay, the next one he does, I'm going to do it. So then he ended up doing another one and I was like, okay, like I'm going to just do it and hopefully it goes. And then he picked that one. And then like about a few weeks passed, he did it again and he picked another one of mine. So I've been on there twice. Um, It's crazy. It, it's always crazy because like, I think obviously you always want the opportunity to be on ESPN and all those things and to be able to have like your, your face and your voice and like a take that you have and have them debate it or agree or disagree. Yeah, like, that was fun it, it's always fun. And like that whole NBA today crew is amazing. I, you know, I've met Malika before when I was an undergrad. So like, she's amazing. And then, you know, Richard is one of the nicest people I've ever met. Like 
I've seen him a few times out at some, you know, covering some games or whatever. And like, he's always been the same, which is like, when I put, put a question up there, like, make sure you're still submitting. Like, you know, he wants everyone to interact with what they're doing, especially, you know, in the league, cause it is fun. And he wants to give a platform to young creators to go out there and, you know, be showcased on that. Cause there's so many different ways to get on TV now or to create content that, you know, people feel like they can interact with and that it could get eyes on you. So I think, you know, I'm blessed to be able to know that he's really trying to do things to make sure that's a thing for creators like me, creators like you and everybody else, like to have that shine, to have that minute, because everyone's not going to be on there. But, you know, if you get one on there, it's like that can make your whole year. You're like, all right, I'm good to go. Like, so I think the biggest advice I would have is that you just got to keep creating. I've had videos that I submitted that didn't get selected and then, the other two did. So it's like having in your mind that you're doing it because you really love it and you have a passion for it, I think helps you in that regard because then you could take some L's a little differently. But I think the biggest advice for that is like, go follow him on TikTok and be watching when he drops it and then do your thing. And if he doesn't get it the first time, just keep doing it. Like I would submit like two, three videos. So like in one like question that he had. So it's like, you got to just keep putting your hat in the ring. At some point, someone's going to pick it up and put it on. Like, that's what I think all the time. So I think that's the biggest advice I would give anyone is like, just create the content, create as many times as you have to, create it every day if you have to, submit it as much. If you see opportunities like that, don't hesitate. You know, don't be discouraged if you don't get it the first time because your time's going to come and they're going to select you. And then you're going to be sitting how I was like, wait a minute, I'm up there. So, you know, that's the biggest advice I'd give anyone with that. That's awesome, Michelle. That was a great take. And I love seeing how passionate you were about it. And uh, I have a feeling that might not be the last time you're up there. So I'll be watching for sure. Speaking of uh, watching with a couple more questions here before we wrap up, you have a new YouTube show. So tell us or a podcast. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your show. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, it's funny. I wanted to do YouTube because I think it's a whole different audience out there as well. So, like, I wanted to do it and force myself to try something different with my content. I think with TikTok, it's a little shorter. I think the audience there is so different than the audience you see on different platforms. Like, every platform has a different niche. How you might post content there might not do great, but if you post it on another platform, it does great. So, I think for me, I was like, I want to talk a little bit more in depth about things. I want to be able to maybe break down film or break down certain things and have some more edits to it and it not be so quick and snappy like TikTok is. So I think YouTube was that way for me. I guess you could call it a show in a sense. Um, yeah. You know, I, it's been fun for me because I think I'm getting to really talk how I would like right now. I think on TikTok, I do the same thing. But again, it's just different, sure. right? Yeah, it's way shorter. And I think with YouTube, I think it's for the people who really love the things that I'm talking about and you're able to interact with them. And, you know, it's a whole different world there. Like, I don't have a lot of subscribers right now, but I enjoy it. Like, that's what I think I love the most is like, you know, I'm talking about some really good things. And it's been really fun to, I think, even find my voice even more in that and seeing the differences in how I feel with content on TikTok and content on YouTube. And I think making sure I'm like challenging myself too, like, you know, I think TikTok is going really well so far for me. I think I found a good footing where an audience and a following's there and I could always create content. But I think, you know, there's something beautiful about, okay, let me start from scratch at YouTube and see what happens and like fail a few times and, you know, succeed. And I think what really got me is like 
I seen a clip on Twitter of Metro Boomin said like he found an artist to put on the Spider-Man soundtrack from YouTube. Like he was just on YouTube, like looking up beats and like this girl was singing on a track and she didn't even have many subscribers, not a lot of views. Like, you know, the same thing I thought about with J. Cole when he found the producer. Yeah, that was cool. You know, for procrastination and was like, I just typed in J. Cole type beats and like this guy, you know, it's just putting it out there. And I think that inspired me to do it. Cause I'm like, you might not have a lot of subscribers now and you might not have a lot of views, but like, I don't know who's typing in whatever on YouTube to find me or find something like this. And then they find it and it's like, that's it. And then my story is the same as the other two, you know? So I think that encouraged me to do that too. Cause I was like, wow, that, those are two crazy stories. Like you're just on YouTube, like scrolling and now you're on a Spider-Man soundtrack and now J. Cole's rapping on your beat. Like, you know, like that's yeah. crazy. So I think of possibilities like that and that's kind of how it started. So I talk about everything on there. Football season's about to come. So yeah. I'll be talking way more about that and everything. But right now it's been a lot of NBA stuff. So it's been good though. It's been fun. It's been a, a fun new adventure for me on there. That's all. Yeah, exactly. NBA has been uh, popping off, but I was, I was just thinking, cause we're going to wrap up, but uh, this has been so much fun. I have one more question, but I mean, seriously, we'll, we'll have to do this again. Like you're awesome to talk to on this. You got great takes. Um, it's flows so well. And exactly. There's a million other things you could have talked about. We'll have to get into NFL. I'm watching quarterback on Netflix right now and uh, we'll, we'll get into it. But before we get out of here, I do want to ask you, cause I know that, you know, you're a very intelligent person. You've read a lot of, you're very well read as well. I see the books you read and post too. Um, so what would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned in your life so far? Most important lesson I think I've learned so far is that you got to just trust what God's doing. I think that's something yeah. I'm learning a lot right now. You know, like you got to trust that it's going to work out. And it's so easier said than done, right? Like people tell you that when you're going through a hard time and you're just like, shut up. Like, don't tell me that. Like, it's not going great for me right now. But what I have learned, and I think my mom and my dad have really been like, honing that in on me and my older brother is like, you know, it's going to work out, but it can only work out if you keep going. It can only work out if you choose to keep showing up and it's going to be hard. You know, it doesn't disregard how you feel because I don't feel great all the time. I get discouraged a lot. Like, you know, you start comparing yourself, especially with social media and, you know, the industry, you start feeling like, well, I wasn't at that thing. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't get a credential for this. And, you know, I'm not on TV or this. And you start like going through all these motions. And I think the best lesson I've learned is like, I got to trust what God's doing. Like, I got to trust where exactly where I am right now. I got to trust that it's all going to unfold how it should if I'm purely and genuinely loving what this thing is that I'm doing. And, you know, I'm not trying to shortcut anything. I'm not trying to cheat to get there. I'm not trying to sell myself to be able to get these things that I want, you know, or try to be somebody who does takes that are rude to athletes and, mm -hmm. you know, isn't really the truth about everything, you know, cause it's easy to do the clickbaity thing. Right. So I think, I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned is that I got to trust what God's doing right now and that it is all going to work out because I'm being myself and I'm loving what this thing is that I do so much already. And, you know, genuinely, I just love sports in general too. Like, I think that's something like, I'm glad to have passion and I'm glad to have a passion for something that I really would do for free. Like, you know, and I think 
that's a blessing in itself. And I think a second lesson right now is that, you know, just be who you are. Like I've been into this whole like nostalgia period of my life where I started looking back at things from when I was a kid and like, you know, pictures of me playing football and my parents taking me to like pump pass and kick competitions around Louisiana and like playing basketball with my brother, playing Madden 2K as a kid. And like at that point, you know, like you don't know if it makes sense. It's like, you know, you're a girl, like, why are you doing that? But my, I, I thank God for my parents because never once was it like, you can't go do that or like, you can't go play basketball. You can't go play Madden. Like they allowed me to go wherever my passions and the things that I liked to be. And then, you know, being older now, I figure out like, I love so many things. Like I love makeup and I love fashion and I love hair and I love, you know, like you start to figure all these things out about yourself, but you never lose the core, which is I love sports. Like I love all of that. And I think being comfortable in who you are and not allowing that to kind of discourage you. Cause then you, you know, kids are weird when you're young, they start saying things to you. And then mm -hmm. I think like, man, what if I would have took that and like, stop talking about sports or never liked it. Like we wouldn't even be having this conversation. I wouldn't have even been at USC. Right. Yeah. Like we would have never even met if I allowed that thing to be the thing that did take it to me. So it's like, I was able to be myself. So I think those are the two things that I'm learning now, which is, I got to trust what God's doing right now. Like it's going to have to work out when he wants it to, but all I could really dictate is my work. I can dictate my work and my heart towards it and the passion that I have towards it. And then as long as I'm being myself in it, I think I can go to sleep every night knowing I put my best foot forward and I'm being authentically hundred percent Lachelle Smith. And that to me is probably the best thing that I could ever be because everybody else is trying to be every, everything else in this world. And I can at least say like, I'm, I'm being who I am and I'm doing things that I love. So I think those are the two things that have been really important right now for me to learn. Wow. That is amazing. Uh, straight up. I agree with everything you said 100%. Um, and seriously, like it's, you know, I've been fortunate. That's my favorite question to ask. I've been fortunate to ask some cool people, uh, but that's my favorite answer, you know, trust God, trust the plan, trust what's going on and that you, you are where you're meant to be. Cause it's, uh, yeah, like I, I literally write stuff like that down at the beginning of my day, because I know that throughout the day, I'm going to forget that when certain things happen. And I know you're laughing right now because for people who can't see, uh, listen to the podcast because that, that's how it goes, but straight yeah. up Lachelle, that that's an amazing answer. Uh, your journey is very inspiring and uh, I hope everyone listening keeps following Lachelle. So speaking of that, Lachelle, before we get out of here, you got to give yourself a plug on where people can find you, how they can follow you, what work they can see of yours, all that good stuff. Yeah, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, pretty much my first and last name, Lachelle Smith underscore for a few of those things. But if you type in Lachelle Smith, you will definitely find the videos, the content, everything. I'm on LinkedIn too. So never hesitate to reach out. I love debating and talking about sports. So come to TikTok, come to IG or Twitter. And if you want to interact, I'm always down to do that. So that's where I am. That's awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Lachelle, uh, for coming on. This was an amazing episode. Uh, might even be my longest one. And I could have gone way longer because it was so much fun talking with you. And I hope everyone listening enjoyed listening. Remember to subscribe and download and uh, tune in next time.